Hello, everybody. Welcome to your Blood Red podcast. I'm Andy Kelly. And, uh, wow, within three days of getting football back, and uh, we can uh, finally look forward to a game for the Reds after um, what seems like an incredible amount of time without a game. I'm joined today to uh, look ahead to that game by um, our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. You all right, James? All good. And um, by the, uh, the Echoes, uh, uh, one of our digital gurus, Paul Gorse. You all right, Paul? I'm all right, yeah. Um, well, typical Liverpool about to go to Leicester, James, <laughs> and um, there's always, there always seems to be a story, and um, straight away, um, the big news in football, of course, has been Claudio Ranieri's um, sacking. Um, did you see it coming, and did you agree with it? No and no. Um, I thought the other, the other night um, against a really good severe team, um, they put up a decent fight in that second half. And I think you know, to come away from that game with a two-one defeat um, left them banging that tie. And you know, the uh, for him then to pay the price on the back of that. You know, when, when you think I, I know they've they've struggled this season, but you know, it's it, I, I just think it's a ridiculous decision with you know the amount of credit he should have in the bank. After what he achieved there last season, for, for nine months later, to be treated so shabbily, um, you know he's he's a class at Ranieri, and the statement he's put out today just underlines that. Um, you know, no hint of bitterness or regret. It's just, brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, just thanking people and you know talking about his his love for the supporters and cherishing what they achieved there. But it just shows, you know, sadly, a lot of owners in modern day football are, are massively out of touch, and all they care about is the bottom line. And I think for their tie owners, you know, they saw Leicester falling down the table. Obviously concerned about the the financial implications if they did drop into the championship, and decided to pull the plug. But you know, I I think you know they've lost an awful lot of goodwill um, on the back of that decision. And I think Liverpool will have a lot more than just Liverpool fans cheering them on come Monday night. Paul, the um, the the Leicester film, if you like, needed. An ending. It's going to be a Hollywood film. This Leicester, this <laughs> Leicester win. It, it, it has to be. Um, wasn't this just the the full stop on the Leicester story? The um, the the romantic ending in a in a strange way of the of the hero of the hour um, heading off into the distance. Um, the, could you could you see that scenario? Yeah, I mean, we've got <clears throat> Craig Shakespeare in charge now. And, you know, it, it's something like a Shakespearean tragedy, isn't it, the way it's ended, for Ranieri anyway. Um, I think it's terribly sad. I'm in agreement with James. It's basically sending out the message that, you know, success, you know, is all fine and well, but don't dare even threaten to fail. Um, success for the owners is another season in the Premier League, not actually winning the thing. Um, so I think it's a real shame. Is... Um... There's been this record of managers who win things and then and then get raised expectations to a certain extent. Of course, you know, the last two Premier League champions, yeah. obviously with Mourinho, and we saw him come out in support of Ranieri today for all that he seems to have forgotten some of his comments about him <laughs> from a few years ago yeah. when, when he took his job. But um, short-termism football is incredible. I mean, you could argue that if you'd offered Leicester City fans... A Premier League title, but you're going to be relegated for the next three seasons and end up in Division Two, or wherever three seasons <laughs> takes you. There's that two yeah. or three, but you'd, they'd a bit, they'd a bit your hand off, wouldn't they? Well, they would have. 
Yeah, well, when you, when you think he took over a team that had just avoided relegation, didn't he? So they're, they're almost back this season to, to where you'd expect Leicester City yeah. to be. You know, they massively overachieved last season. Um, and it, yeah, I just, I just find it absolutely crazy. And, um, you know, I, just, I think the most galling thing is, there's obviously these reports that senior players have effectively got in the sack, that, you know, the, the, the reports say that they met, the players met with the, the tie owners after the midweek game in Severe and, um, you know, effectively you know, said that they wanted the change. And when you think where a lot of those players were before Ranieri came along and the, the huge lucrative contracts they got on the back of what he did for them and, and the memories he gave them last season and, and that title-winning medal, you know, I think that's probably, that must be very, very difficult for Ranieri to take. Paul, some of those contracts are probably... Uh, whether it was player power or not, would are were probably uppermost in the ta- in the uh, in the owners' thoughts because a lot of them got new deals after winning uh, the league, as you'd you'd expect. Because lots of the concern was that they'd lose a lot of their players, and they obviously yeah. uh, lost Kante, who's been a huge miss for them, despite what Neil Jones on this <laughs> podcast would have you believe. But um, and those they they're scared of dropping dropping a division and still having those contracts uh, over them without the, the Premier League cash, uh, despite you know, whatever parachute payment they'd get. Yeah, um, as, as I mentioned, then, it comes down to money. You know, pretty much every owner now in the Premier League is using it as a business, and Leicester's tie owners are no different. And I think, as I say, what would represent success for them would be to stay there another year and be able to milk the, the Premier League cash cow. Um, so... To say it, it is a, a big shame for, for Claudio Ranieri. Um, if he'd have been in the position he's in now, twelve months ago, no one batting at it would they? No. You know because they're not they're not in the relegation zone. They haven't been all season. Um, he's never been in the relegation zone with them, so that would have appeared to have been a decent job twelve months ago. So he's a victim of his own success, and it's a, it's a real shame. James, everybody listening to this. Um, Podcast, or I'd expect Liverpool fans, they're always very strange people. Um, <laughs> or both. Or, yeah, or both, but um, what does it mean for Liverpool? That's what, they're, that's what they're interested in, mostly in terms of the Ranieri story. There's, I think people are genuinely, lots of people genuinely sad in terms of what it means yeah. for the game. But um, for Liverpool fans, um, there's the, the concern of, of new manager syndrome, I suppose, going there. Uh, they haven't got one in place. Looks like Shakespeare will take yeah. it on, on Monday at this stage. But um, do you think the the decision makes it slightly more difficult for Liverpool? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be slightly more worried if they actually had someone already lined up and in, and it was you know the big unveiling. And you know, we, I think you've been to games before where you know you feel that kind of buzz around the ground because you know the new managers there with the the scarf and all the rest of it, and you do seem to get that that bounce effect and. I must admit, but the timing of the sacking, I thought that they, they must have someone immediately lined up who would then be, you know, unveiled today. And but you know, with the way that Shakespeare was talking when he did the press conference today, you know, he, not only was he speaking as if he'd be in charge on Monday night, but talking about how he, you know, he he wanted, you know, he wanted the chal- to take the challenge on. Now, you know, difficult to see that happening, but you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think the fact that there's only a caretaker manager in charge, and I think the fact that so many Leicester fans will be so angry and upset at the decision that's been taken. I actually, I, I, I think it may well work in Liverpool's favour because I, I'd be, um, I'll be, I'll be down there on Monday night and I'd be amazed if 
that you know that sometimes when a manager gets the sack, people are overjoyed and 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 you, and you feel that kind of euphoria around the place. I don't think that'll be the case. You know, I think it will be very sombre the mood because you know the, the first game after Ranieri, um, you know, it's a very divisive decision that they've that they've taken. So um, it'd be interesting. I mean, I think what it does is there's a lot more pressure on those Leicester City players because you know if if what we we've read in the last 24 hours is is correct then you know after the part they played in him getting the, the sack you know they've effectively said he was the problem so you know they have to go out there on Monday night and prove against Liverpool that, that that's right because you know if Liverpool get anywhere near the levels they produced against Tottenham they'll be too good for this Leicester City team and those players who have underperformed for Ranieri this season won't have anyone else to blame well it's right isn't it the King Power is normally a pretty isn't it? It, it doesn't sort of loom for Liverpool like like a trip to Stoke or a trip to Palace or those types of, of grounds have, have in the past. But um, we obviously got beat down there last year. And their crowd is a good crowd in terms of, of atmosphere when they, they get going. And I do feel like, James, that, that maybe... The, you can imagine a lot of supporters will be torn. Uh, <coughs> yeah, mostly, you would think, back in Ranieri. But, yeah. but there'll be others thinking we want to need to stay in this Premier League and it might just mean that there's not that sort of unified spirit that you can get at that ground. Yeah, I think Sombers, you know, sums up perfectly there, James. Um, I think that's the way the mood will be. It won't be the raucous atmosphere that Liverpool experienced last year when they got beat. Um, I think it's, you know, almost the shock of the second has come at a perfect time for Liverpool to capitalise and I fully expect them to do that. There is... Um... New manager syndrome, by the way, is anyone who likes a bet is is it's been there's been huge amounts of research done in terms of does it actually improve um, teams' results, mostly by uh, a guy called Kevin Poulin uh, at the Racing Post uh, and other um, fine uh, institutions, and uh, he's generally discovered that actually um, it makes no difference or or it makes teams slightly worse. When a, when a manager is replaced, it's just uh, the trick is that in your mind you remember the ones where it's had yeah, an yeah. impact and this is where it's, a, it's a, almost like a mirage and becomes, um, becomes a thing when actually the stats don't back it up. So um, hopefully that's the case uh, on Monday night. Uh, Vardy, of course, back among the goals at Sevilla on uh, was it Wednesday, I think Wednesday, it was, yeah. yeah. And you know, we, we know as Liverpool um you know, correspondence that um, Severe are a very good side um, to our cost. And that's a very good result for Leicester. And the whole atmosphere of that game changed in the last 20 yeah. minutes when they, they got a goal, didn't they? It did, yeah. And, you know, you after a barren run, you know, you that, that's probably the one one thing you would be wary of going into Monday night, the fact that Vardy has obviously ended that drought and is back amongst the goals. Because, we, you know, we saw last season what he did to Liverpool. Um, and I think that's probably the main concern, really, that you know that his pace. Um, you know, they'll, I'm sure there won't be any great change in the way that Leicester gets set up. Um, you know, with with Shakespeare, in, if he is in charge for Monday night, I think you know they'll they'll sit deep and try and frustrate Liverpool, and then hit them on the counter attack. And obviously, you know, they they did that to perfection there. I think what was it last February? Um, and they'll they'll try and do the, the the same again. And he's you know he's the main one, Vardy. I mean I know he's been nowhere near the levels this season, but you know I think Neil Jones wrote about it didn't he, a couple of days ago that he he does have a habit of of scoring in in kind of uh, patches and the uh, he'll need to be 
closely uh, shackled because obviously it looks like the game's going to come too soon for, for Lovren. Um, so, you know, I'd imagine, considering how well he played against Tottenham, that Lucas Labour will keep his place. Um, and certainly a different type of challenge for him. You know, he handled the physicality of Kane very well. Um, but certainly, you know, Vardy is a is a is a different proposition with with the uh, with the speed that he's got on the counter. Vardy, the main threat for for you, Paul. <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, as uh, as we mentioned, he does score in patches, and I think what was it eleven? Was it he scored last season on the bounce? Yeah. Um, so it was a bit of a ominous warning for Liverpool that he scored the other night. But um, I think he had a what, twelve game sort of no scoring this season yeah, and a nine gamer yeah. I think as well. Um Leicester they haven't scored since the end of the year they, in, in the Premier League. Um so obviously they're struggling for goals as it is. A, so, a worse a worse start to the year than Liverpool, than Liverpool had didn't yeah, they? if you can imagine that. Um <clears throat> but yeah um Bardi would be the, the the main threat for Leicester on uh, on Monday. But, um sixteen days between games, Liverpool is a long time to wait, but I think that sort of keeps everyone fresh enough to just play the same team that you know rolled Tottenham over on well over two weeks ago. So um, I think if Klopp puts that eleven out, we'll uh, come back with the points. Well, let's speak to a man who had the five days in uh, in <laughs> Spain with with Liverpool uh, since my rise. Uh, James, uh, we're expecting a Liverpool revived and refreshed and raring to go. Um, you were in La Manga and um, uh, and saw the the work they were doing there, which was double sessions most days, wasn't it? So they, they they've put in a lot of a lot of physical work, but they've had the the mental rest, perhaps of of not having to go again for you know Leicester have played a you know two or three games since Liverpool played, haven't they? Yeah, I think it can only be beneficial for Liverpool the the, the time they've had. I mean. That was always the big bugbear for Klopp, wasn't it? In in January, in the early stages of February, that he didn't have that time to work with the players on the training ground, and he and he felt that they were jaded, and that was that was reflected in the performances. So, so yeah, I think it was a successful trip over to La Manga. You know, all the players have spoken very highly of it. I think it was a decent balance. I mean, I don't I don't, I don't think it was too strenuous for the players. I think you know it was. I was there for the training sessions, and they're only like an hour, an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon. Um, plenty of team building and and bonding stuff going on in between, and you know Klopp obviously made the decision for them to to share rooms rather than have their own room as normal, and and did like a draw to uh, decide who was rooming with who, and you know, I think they had six aside tournaments where the losers got launched into the the freezing outdoor pool, which I didn't even I couldn't even dip my toe into that. It was like, it was <laughs> it looked that cold from a distance. Um, so I think yeah he, I think you know Klopp I asked Klopp actually over there about the issues Liverpool have had with facing teams this season you know the so-called lesser lights that that do sit deep and because you know Liverpool's record does suggest that they're much better suited to teams who come out and and try and go toe to toe with them um, and you know I asked him about you know talk about complacency and is it an attitude problem and he you know he wouldn't have that and he said you know it's not a technical issue technical issue either he said you know we've shown earlier on in the season when teams came to Anfield and tried to park the bus, that we just brushed them aside. Um, he, he talked about needing clear, le- um, fresh legs and, and fresh minds. And um, you know, I think he felt that that was something Liverpool la- have lacked in games where they should have won and haven't. But there'll be absolutely no excuse if, if, if they don't deliver the King Power on Monday night because, you know, have to be said, after the long break, they, they should be refreshed and ready to go. 
Paul, we, we've we've already had a boost today, in, in my in my view, anyway, <laughs> with the news that um, um, poor Lee Mason needs a oh. boost because he's been uh, he's been struck down with uh, not feeling very well, and we've um, Michael Oliver, we've got yeah. uh, uh, ref in the game, and uh, you happy to 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 see Mr. Mason miss out? I've got to be honest, Andy. Um, I, I... A ref's a ref to me. I, I never know who's who. Um, I know names and I know faces, but I can't place them, if I'm honest. I only know Mark Lattenberg because of that infamous derby 10 years ago. So <laughs> for me, it doesn't really matter who the ref is. Oh, well, I'm the exact opposite. It's, one, it's the, first, the, the first thing when the Premier League announces the referees. On a Monday afternoon. Uh, yeah, the first, yeah, I'm straight on it to, because there's just a few that I, uh, I want to avoid. and I, I couldn't believe it when I, I opened up the one. Uh, I was just thinking, I'll get anyone but Mason for for Leicester get us back. You know, we're coming off a good win against Spurs. You know, kick on. <laughs> and I remember opening it and go, and I went, "You've got to be kidding!" Because he'd done, he he did the Liverpool game at Hull, which doesn't seem that long ago. Yeah. Um, and he came back round. Obviously, he'd done Burnley early in the season, so two of the uh, we've only been beaten four times four in the league, haven't yeah. we? So, home, so uh, yeah, so he's been he's. He's been conspicuous by his presence yeah. in two in two of those. I'm not blaming him for the defeat, but um, he he's never a referee. I think that most Liverpool fans like to see going back to. He sent two off down at Fulham, didn't he? Carroll yeah. and uh, uh, was it was it Ben Ayun or someone? I can't remember. Oh, uh, the, yeah, it was the full the terrible Swiss Swiss fullback, wasn't it? Degen. Oh, Degen, Degen, yeah, Degen, yeah, Degen, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, he, and of course Rogers got in hot water, didn't he, for having a go at him? Was there a Man City yeah. a couple yes. of years ago and questioned whether you know why a greater Manchester official was taking charge? So cop for a fine for that, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, cost him a few quid. Um, but yeah, I don't think there'd be too many tears shed the fact that Mason's no longer on the game. Um, yeah, like you said, I don't think you, you can't blame it. There weren't any really big contentious decisions in those defeats to Hull or Burnley that you could say he was at fault for. I think that was coincidence. But you know, I think. The, the record when Oliver has taken charge is decent. I think it was it, four wins and a draw in the five Liverpool games he's done so far this season. And mm, the draw was all Trafford. Yeah, which, you know, you, and he is a he is take, a good. So. Yeah, he he is very a, didn't spot the offside goal. Clock would point true, out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, in general, Oliver's a decent. He's a decent referee, and yeah, I, I think if uh, I wouldn't have been particularly worried if Mason had been in charge, but it's a, you know it's another positive omen going into it. Paul the. The top four fight is, seems a very crystal sort of clear one now in the sense that you can, even though there's a, good, you know, a few months left in the season, 13 games doesn't seem a lot left and it puts a lot of pressure on everyone. But you feel with a few of these Liverpool players that they've not only had this 16-day break, but a few of them had some injury problems. Obviously, Coutinho hasn't played a huge amount of football this season. Um I saw a few signs against Spurs that he was starting to come back. There was a couple of chances where he thought, where you know, he could easily have had two, but they got sort of blocked. And on another day, if he was absolutely on top form, he wouldn't have you know, given any chance. But he took a step forward, I thought, but still looked that he still had another step to take. And hopefully he could have done that in this, in this break time. Yeah, definitely. As I say, it's maybe two weeks tomorrow since, since the Tottenham game. Um, and the, the Tottenham performance was a, a return to that swashbuckling style that, that was so evident in the first few months of the campaign. Um, so I think, what was it, was it 10 games in January? Yeah. And there's six in February and March. So it's incredible, isn't it? That'll be, you know, the, the 
perfect chance for Liverpool to sort of get back to the way they were before that stuttering run in January. And as we all saw, they were phenomenal uh, those first three or four months of the season. Um, if they repeat that for, for the remainder of the campaign, I think they'll finish inside the top four comfortably. Pizzi, overall, we, we heard a bit from Klopp today at the press conference. Um, few issues covered. Obviously, he spoke about Ranieri. Threw in a bit of Donald Trump and, and Brexit. <laughs> there. Um, he also spoke about the um, move to uh, Kirby, which you broke the story on earlier this week. And um, um, Obviously, we did a, a special pod on that on, on the day. Um, but as we suspected, it's a, it's a move that Klopp is clearly very much behind. And um, for all that he repeated you know, just how much he loves Melwood as well, but it feels like they have to go. Yeah, I think it was interesting when he, he kind of talked about, you know, he kind of mentioned that he'd feel cramped at Melwood. I think he, you know, he said that you know, even if you want to have a meeting, you know, it's it, it's difficult. And there is, you know, there is a lack of space. You know, you, even things like at the moment, the meeting room for the players is the, is the media room, you know, that doubles up as, you know, so what, sometimes you're there for a press conference and you... You get told, you know, you need to be out in 20 minutes because, you know, this is where they're going to do. You know, the screen will come down and they're they're doing their their, their team meeting ahead of you know a trip trip to wherever. So, um, so yeah, I think there's, you know, Klopp just confirmed. I think what we already knew that he he has been the driving force behind this. You know, it was something that Brendan Rodgers talked about previously as well. But you know, the owners have have, have certainly you know thrown their support behind Klopp um, in terms. You know, he, he name checked as well that you know that desire to bring. The first team and the and the, the youth sections together on one site, um, and, but also I think you know he also said that the facilities at Melwood are dated. You know he said you know he, he fully appreciates probably 25 years ago it, it was an elite level training ground, but he, he said you know football's moved on, and he said um, you know there comes a time where you have to try and set standards, and you know certainly with the plans they've got in place for Kirby that's what they're they're looking to do I think it was it was quite interesting listening to him talk about it because I think he he didn't want to eulogize too much about it when he was asked because at this stage Liverpool don't want to be seen to be presumptuous in terms of what they're hoping to do because obviously you know it's it's all well and good saying they they plan to do this but they still have to get the planning permission they have to there was a public consultation period coming up in early March with residents in Kirby so you know, I think um, I think he'll he'll speak a lot more about it. Klopp once once they've got clarity on that and know full well that they'll be able to make that happen. Yeah, Paul. There's there's always the chance with um, football pitches and that type of thing involved, and and uh, you know, Greenland that, uh, that there can be protests and could end up in even in a public inquiry. And uh, but you sort of feel for the supporters now that they know about this plan and can. I think the vast majority of them can see the, uh, you know, how much sense it makes that they'll just want to get that out of the way as quickly as possible, won't they? Yeah, you'd imagine so. Um, obviously, once all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, then they can crack on with, with what they need to do. And I think Klopp's probably right in, in what he's he's planning and what he, he's aiming to do, um, particularly bringing the, the youth players together with the, you know, the first team players. I've seen it when. Um, I think the likes of Curtis Jones was training with Daniel Sturridge just before um, just before Christmas, and I've seen an interview with him saying how much of a positive experience that was for him. So that will be right across the the youth setup, just seeing these players day in day out. Um, so I think that can only be beneficial in the long run. Yeah, we heard from Conor Masterson uh, this week, uh, uh, 
James, who obviously was out in La Manga, him and uh, Jan Dander from the from the academy players, um, and just speaking about how much he'd learned in just you know five days working alongside the first team, and if you extrapolate that to full time, um, kind of an you know incredible benefit because uh, speaking to Neil Meller um, this week and. He was saying that in his time when they used to go down from the academy, and obviously Neil was, you know, a phenomenal uh, player at the academy. And when they used to go down to Melwood, because uh, at that stage the relationship between Melwood and and Kirby wasn't so good. Yeah. Um, that it was always like they always felt, wow, these are superstars. We're, we're seeing when they went down there, and he was saying that's just the wrong way for it to be, and that's something that you can get rid of with this single sighting, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, I mean. Over in La Manga, you could see how much you know, Masterson and Dander were absolutely buzzing off the fact they were included on that trip. And you know, I think I think from Klopp's point of view, it just makes things logistically so much easier as well because you know, the setup at the moment, you know, is that you know effectively every morning, I think Pep Linders puts the call into the academy and tells everyone, you know, who how many they need for training and all the rest of it, and you know who who needs to be where and when. And obviously, when you're all on one site, it just you know, that that. Just de- and takes away all of that hassle. They'll get the uh, fifty million back in say of taxi yeah. fare over <laughs> about three years. You'd, you'd have thought so, yeah. And just even little things like I think Klopp touched upon it down at the academy a couple of months ago. That he said he hadn't been to watch a game at the academy for like twelve months, basically since since I think it was the day after his unveiling, yeah. wasn't it, when he watched the 18s play that day? Yeah, against just, Stoke, yeah. I was there. Yeah. So you know, and I, and I think you know, from his point of view, that's not because he doesn't care, because anyone. With Arthur Brain knows just how much faith he puts in kids and, and how much he's inspired staff and young players at the academy with the way he's given chances to young players. But it is awkward when you're you're based at Melwood when all the games are taking place five and a half miles away. Um, so you know, I think from his point of view, you know, it's bringing everyone together on one site is a is a bit of a no-brainer, really. And you know, I think also you know we talk about Ranieri and just how short the short term termism of modern football. I think with Clock, it just shows as well that you know he's he, he actually genuinely you know this is a long-term project that he's part of, and he and I think he sees a combined academy uh, training setup at the at the Kirby Academy as you know part of his legacy as well because you know it's you know, he, he thinks it will benefit for Liverpool you know long after he's gone as well. Fabulous. Well, um, we will end there, but I can't go without um, asking for a prediction for Monday. Um, let's hope for a bit of positivity in the room, Paul. Are you confident? As always, yeah. Two 0 Two 0 to to Liverpool, James. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty confident. Like we said, with you know, with I'd be more concerned if Leicester had a new permanent manager in place. Um, and I think yeah, with the mood around the place as well, I I fully expect Liverpool to go there and win. Um, I think it, you know, it should be the same lineup as as swept Spurs aside, and as long as they approach the game with the same attitude, I think Liverpool will win three one. Yeah, um, I totally see goals in this game, goals on both sides. I can see Vardy perhaps continuing his run and getting one or two, but I can see Liverpool scoring uh, three or four uh, down there. So I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go for a four-two. But I've never seen it. I've never seen a game look more like uh, both teams to score than this one. I really see um, goals in this one. Um, that's been your Blood Red podcast. Can't go without mentioning our. Um, our new Anfield Extra service. If you do like these Blood Red podcasts um, over on Anfield Extra, which is our new subscription service, um, it's four ninety nine a month, and you get uh, loads of uh, written articles, 
loads of video uh, pieces from the likes of John Aldridge. You'll get a morning message, uh, morning piece from James uh, every morning about um, uh, what's happening at, at Anfield. But you'll also get some really good podcasts. Uh, so if you like this one, um, you'll really love some of the ones on, on that. We've got uh, uh, an hour-long podcast with Tony Barrett to start, which is a great listen. Really encourage you to have a listen to that. We've got um, a fortnightly podcast from uh, Peter Hooten. Uh, he's got Brian Reed among others with him in his first one. That's a, a great listen as well. And uh, and Neil Fitzmorris, the comedian uh, and a big red, uh, also a really enjoyable podcast. So uh, if you can, if you've got four ninety nine spare, by the end of the month, I can tell you, you'll really uh, think that's money very well spent. So uh, give it a listen if you can. Uh, but for now, we'll be back on Tuesday, I guess, um, after hopefully seeing the Reds um, end that break and uh, come out flying with a few goals at the King Par. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>